Weekend Warriors, the weekly foreign affairs podcast that asks, what else is happening in the world? I'm Essie Cup. A horrific suicide bombing in Syria has left four Americans dead, including two U.S. service members. And it's raising new questions about the president's withdrawal plan from Syria. But according to two U.S. officials, there are no plans to reverse the president's decision even despite the deadly explosion that happened on Wednesday in the northern city of Membij and comes just weeks after top Trump administration officials declared ISIS was defeated in Syria. Now, ISIS has claimed responsibility for the attack, and according to official sources, the initial assessment points to an ISIS sleeper cell. Okay, for more on this, I want to bring in CNN chief international correspondent Clarissa Ward, who is there in northern Syria. Clarissa, you've been following the events in Syria closely, um, including this recent suicide bombing. What are you seeing on the ground? Well, I think what we've been seeing the past week that we've been traveling around uh, various parts of this country is that ISIS is not defeated, Um, that even in territory that has been uh, liberated from ISIS that is potentially or ostensibly secure, there is, in fact, very little security. And it's important uh, for your listeners to remember, Essie, that the town of Menbij, where this awful attack took place, is nowhere near the front lines with ISIS. It's a good seven hours drive away from the front lines. So I think that gives you a sense uh, of the potential reach that the group still has. And every Kurdish official that we have talked to here, whether they're on the civilian side or the military side, will tell you, listen, we have made great strides against ISIS. We have pushed them out of their territory. There are only a few villages remaining. But Sleeper cells can still be found across a lot of the country. If you look at the mentality of the people in the towns that have been liberated, a lot of them are still sympathetic to ISIS. A lot of them don't want their towns being ruled by Kurdish-led forces. So it's a very Mm. complex picture here. Um, But certainly fair to say um, that ISIS has not yet been completely defeated in Syria. And a lot of people here fear that if the U.S., or rather when the U.S. withdraws its forces, that there will be a power vacuum and that ISIS will seize the void. You you mentioned Kurdish officials um, and that this is a town that was liberated in 2016 and it's now under the security of Kurdish forces. Um, I'm wondering if you've heard what any Kurdish officials are saying specifically about this attack, not just about ISIS being in the region, but this this attack specifically. Well, it's interesting, Essie. Kurdish officials are actually being very tight-lipped about this attack. It's been incredibly difficult, even all day yesterday on the phones, trying desperately to get some information, basic information, such as how many casualties there were, how many civilians were killed. And there has been a real reluctance that we don't normally see necessarily from Kurdish officials to talk about this attack. And that may Mm. be because it is, of course, of a very sensitive nature, given that four Americans were killed, and and the Kurds here are working very closely with the U.S. Uh, The Kurds are, in fact, the U.S.'s main ally on the ground. They are the ones really on the front lines fighting and dying in the battle against ISIS. So it's a very tight relationship. And even though 
many of the Kurds are dismayed to see U.S. Uh, forces withdrawing. Officially, you won't hear them criticizing uh, the White House. You won't hear them criticizing that policy because they're keen to try to extract whatever guarantees they can get out of the U.S. for as long as they're still here. Mm. Um, well, the million-dollar question that people are, are grappling with now, of course, is whether this was a targeted attack on Americans. Um, as you've noted, there's a U.S. base not too far away. What's your, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, it's very difficult to say if one has to speculate it uh, from what we've learned, uh, U.S. forces did frequent this restaurant. So they had been known to go there. We know also that Senator Lindsey Graham had visited there. It is possible that ISIS sleeper cells were keeping an eye out uh, on this restaurant as a potential target for Westerners who might be passing through. Um, I certainly think this is, unfortunately, a huge coup for ISIS. This is something that they will be uh, celebrating. It's a much coveted prize for them to be able to kill any U.S. serviceman or any American, let alone to kill four Americans. So hard to believe that this would not have been a targeted attack, although at the same time, as he, one doesn't want to give ISIS too much credit here either. They are still largely opportunistic, and they have been crippled, if not defeated, on the battlefield. So what one, one has to wonder then, do you think, based on what you know of how ISIS operates in the region, I know they're, they're opportunistic, as you say, but one has to wonder if this was in response to the president's announcement that ISIS had been defeated. What, what's your take on that? I think it's very difficult to say. Given the moment, it seems hard to fathom that this was not a political statement of some kind. And yet the reality may well be that this just happened to be the moment when they got lucky, in a sense. Uh, believe me, Essie, if they had had an opportunity to kill American servicemen or DOD contractors or any American civilians even at any time in the past, a group like ISIS would leap on it. This is really for them a huge victory. And so whether or not it was some kind of a political statement, whether or not it was in direct response uh, to President Trump's decision to withdraw U.S. troops, it's very difficult to say. But certainly it underscores the reality, which is that despite some of the rhetoric that's been coming out of the White House, it's very clear here on the ground that ISIS remains a real and potent threat. And again, the fear is that when you have a vacuum, when you have entire areas that have been reduced to rubble and there's no investment going into them and the same poisonous ideology still lingering, that's the moment when a group like ISIS will take the time to reconstitute, to regroup, to reconfigure and to try to launch a brutal insurgency. So I'm wondering, because it's so hard to get to get, uh, you know, good reporting um, from from the region. I mean, we've got you and we've got a number of really good folks there on the ground who are so, so, so invaluable to us. But I'm wondering if you've seen, in the wake of Trump's announcement of withdrawal, any reorganizing among the regime, among the resistance, even among the citizenry. What has the reaction to that been? I think there's a definite shift. And 
and there's kind of a cold, hard reality that's setting in. Kurdish officials who we've spoken to said, listen, we knew the Americans were going to leave at some point. They were never going to stay forever. This was always going to happen. We were just shocked about the timing of it. We were shocked to find out about it on Twitter. Uh, we were shocked that we didn't have any kind of a heads up. At the same time, uh, you know, the Kurds have been around for a long time, and they are very, very pragmatic. And they understand that given their precarious position, they are essentially sandwiched here in between Turkey, just across the border, which views them as a, or many of them as a existential terrorist threat. Yeah. And on the other side, uh, the brutal regime of Bashar al-Assad and its Russian and Iranian sponsors. The Americans provided them with some kind of a buffer. But once American forces withdraw, I think they appreciate that they have to make some kind of a deal. That deal is not going to be with Turkey. That deal is much more likely to be with the regime. And so I think they will try to come to some accommodation whereby they can be guaranteed some measure uh, of autonomy or independence. And in return, they will fly the regime flag of Bashar al-Assad once again. And this is worth mentioning as well in the sense that just a few months ago, we were hearing from the, you know, certain parts of the White House that the U.S. wouldn't leave Syria until Iran leaves Syria. Well, the reality on the ground uh, would appear to be that in the not too distant future, the U.S. will have left Syria and Iran and the regime of Bashar al-Assad will probably be the richer for it. Mm. Are Syrians relieved or concerned that we are withdrawing? It really depends on who you talk to. If you talk to Syrians who support the Kurdish-led security forces in this part of the northeast of the country, they will tell you they're dismayed that the U.S. is leaving. They're frightened that the U.S. is leaving. They're frightened of ISIS sleeper cells. Many of them frightened also of the regime and fear a, a rapprochement with the regime. Of course, if you're in regime-held areas, they will say it's wonderful that the U.S. is leaving. Uh, similarly, ISIS will say it's wonderful that the U.S. is leaving. Mm -hmm. So there no longer is any consensus on, on what it really means to be Syrian in terms of who they want to see on the ground and who they would like to enjoy security under. This part of the country has been carved up by different powers into different fiefdoms. And I would say the only thing that you will find consensus on uh, most Syrian stage is a desire for peace mm. and a desire for quiet. Such an important point. Um, Clarissa Ward, as always, thank you so much. We are so grateful for your reporting and for coming on to Weekend Warriors. Please stay safe. Thank you for having me. We'll take a quick break, and when we return, more on President Trump's plans to withdraw from Syria and that deadly explosion in Membij. Welcome back to Weekend Warriors. We're discussing the suicide bombing, which left four Americans dead. ISIS has claimed credit, blowing open a gaping hole in President Trump's assertion that ISIS has been defeated. You remember when he said that. So what's next? Now I want to bring in retired Air Force Colonel, CNN military analyst, Cedric Layton. Um, Colonel Layton, Utah Senator Mitt Romney said the suicide bombing is a somber reminder that withdrawing troops from Syria is a grave mistake. Is this evidence that plans to withdraw our forces there are maybe premature? 
I certainly think, Essie, that it is evidence that we have to think long and hard before we withdraw troops at this point. Uh, what we're looking at here is a situation where ISIS knows that they can strike at us when we're particularly vulnerable. And when you look at exactly how ISIS has, uh, in essence, been rolled up throughout all of Syria, you know that uh, although the map looks really good from a who controls what territory standpoint, uh, you can really tell that these people haven't disappeared. And the fact that they haven't disappeared means that there's still danger out there and that they can still be a force that we need to consider before we move any troops out of, out of that place. Well, uh, let me go back to two things you said um, that I thought were interesting. One, this part of Syria had been liberated back in 2016. Um, I asked our reporter Clar Clarissa Ward this question. Um, this had been liberated. There were U.S. troops present uh, around there. It was under the security forces of the Kurds. Um, was this a secure place, or does ISIS have sleeper cells even in the places in Syria we think of as secure? That's that's it exactly. They have sleeper cells all over the place, S.E., and a place like Munbij is going to be a place where uh, they're going to be very interested in the U.S. presence, if for nothing else than to gather intelligence about us. Yeah. Uh, so what they're doing is they see what, what we're up to both tactically in that location as well as politically from a big strategic standpoint, and they know that we're about to leave. Our guard is probably going to be down because, you know, being human beings, we're going to look at uh, different uh, things about how we escape, how we get out of there, how we, uh, you know, change our our posture because of the withdrawal, the announced withdrawal. Uh, so they're taking those tactical realities into account, and they sense vulnerabilities. So the minute that those sleeper cells, who are there for certainly an intelligence purpose, but they can also be operationalized. Once they're activated, and once they they know that they sense a vulnerability, they can go in and cause a lot of damage. Uh, terrorism is an opportunistic uh, occurrence. And in this particular case, they took advantage of an opportunity. They saw that uh, we were there with people not only from our own military, but also with the local civilian population. And there's nothing better than to drive a wedge between U.S. forces and the local civilians than to do something like this. So you also said we need to think long and hard before we continue with this plan to withdraw. Do you think that the president thought long and hard about this when he announced our withdrawal from Syria? Unfortunately, I do not. Essie, uh, I think what he did was uh, he acted impulsively. He had that phone call with President Erdogan of Turkey and, uh, in essence, said, fine, you've got it. Do you think I, that that was the catalyst for that announcement, that phone call? It may have been. Uh, it may have been. I don't have any special insight, uh, you know, into specifically what happened there. But I, you know, it, it does uh, seem to fit with some of the things that he's done and that Trump has done in the past. And uh, you know, the president, as we all know, does act impulsively. And in this particular case, uh, it uh, was an impulsive action that is based on a long-held belief that uh, we shouldn't be in a lot of areas, uh, especially a place like Syria. And uh, we know that he'd wanted us 
to leave Syria you know, for a long time. He's also considering taking us out of Afghanistan. Uh, so he saw, I think, what the Turkish president was telling him as an opportunity uh, to get out. And uh, you know, he's an opportunistic man, I think, by nature. And as a result, he saw an opportunity presented to him. And he said, let's, let's take it. Let's take advantage of it and let's leave. And uh, you know, he doesn't really, I think, understand the nuances that go into the operational planning that you need to withdraw forces, even if you've been there for a relatively short amount of time, you still have a lot of stuff to move and a lot of people to move, and that, that those moves have to be handled in as secure an environment as possible. Yeah. Well, and so they're starting those moves. Just last week, the U.S. started moving out military equipment. Uh, officials say, as of right now, there's no plan to go back on Trump's withdrawal decision, but I think to a layperson, you might be a little confused because just recently John Bolton was in was in the Middle East. He was reassuring um, Israel and Egypt that we weren't abandoning our position there. What actually is the status of our role in Syria as you see it? Well, I think it's confused. Uh, you know, I think that's a great question because you've got uh, John Bolton as the national security advisor uh, presenting one aspect of the problem to uh, the people that he was talking to. Uh, on the other side, you've got the president, uh, you know, the secretary of state is somewhere in the middle of all of this. And then we really don't know now that Secretary Mattis has left what the Pentagon is, is telling the president. Uh, so when you have a situation like this, our role is confused, the decider-in-chief is naturally the president, mm -hmm. and uh, he's going to have to be the one uh, to, in essence, square a circle here. And when we square this circle, he's going to have to make pretty clear, uh, you know, what part is this? Are we leaving Syria? If that's the case, then are we going to hold a country like Turkey uh, to account uh, to make sure that they don't attack our allies, the Kurds? Are we still going to go after ISIS if they do things like this, uh, like they did in Munbij? So, that's that's the kind of stuff that we have to look through, and these are, are big questions uh, that we have to have answered, I think, before we can really execute a policy like this. Do you think that considering the president earlier said ISIS was defeated, Mike Pence um, just yesterday doubled down on that, saying ISIS had been defeated. Do you think, given that, that we are thinking at the Pentagon of some kind of response to this, to sort of uh, you know, flex our muscles? Uh, it's certainly a possibility. It, uh, you know, the Pentagon has all kinds of contingency plans. Uh, dealing with a terrorist organization like ISIS uh, is a bit different from dealing with a nation state. Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, yes, I think it would make absolute sense uh, for us to send a message to ISIS that this kind of action it cannot be tolerated. The risk, of course, with that is that you risk a, a big escalation, and that could then uh, bring ISIS not only uh, to places that are close to the Middle East, but could also affect Western Europe and potentially even the United States in the form of, of future possible terrorist attacks. So there's always a risk involved in any of these kinds of deliberations. But uh, we do have to make it very clear to anybody who is opposing us, whether it's a terrorist group or a nation state, uh, that uh, there will be consequences for killing American soldiers. You know, I've heard a, a, a lot of people talk about whether Turkey uh, had had pressured Trump into this, you and I just talked about it a little. I haven't talked, uh, heard heard rather many people talk about what Vladimir Putin's influence on this decision may 
or may not have been. Obviously, we know Russia is a is a Syrian proxy. Um, Russia has a lot at stake in Syria. Russia would very much like us to quit Syria. But I haven't heard a lot of discussion uh, about whether or not Putin has played a role in this. We don't know, obviously, but what's your gut tell you? My gut tells me that he had a huge role to play in this uh, because what Vladimir Putin has done is he's engineered a rapprochement uh, between Russia and Turkey. Uh, so President Erdogan of Turkey is uh, you know, in a position where he's straddling both sides. Right. He's a NATO member. Uh, he's a U.S. ally, at least nominally. And he's also cozying up to the Russians. Uh, you know, he bought an air defense system from the Russians. Right. Uh, so those are the kinds of things that become important. Turkey does have a, a, a you know, pretty close uh, border to Russia, not direct anymore like in the old days, but uh, still they're right across the Black Sea from each other. And uh, they've got historic relationships that uh, go back centuries, both good and bad. Uh, so yes, Vladimir Putin's big interest is uh, to give himself a base in the northern Middle East. Syria is the perfect place for him to do that. Yeah. Uh, it is definitely in his interest for the U.S to withdraw any presence uh, in Syria. And uh, it also uh, kind of uh, you know, gives him the upper hand even when his forces were defeated in a battle uh, between the U.S. and, uh, and irregular elements uh, that uh, were Russian in origin a, a few months ago. And that's, that becomes uh, you know, something that's lost in the fog of the discussion. But uh, uh, you know, even though we won that battle and we decimated uh, these Russian mercenaries, uh, they're mm -hmm. still winning, and that's uh, that's an essential point here. And you know, do we really want a Middle East where a large portion of it is controlled by Russia? And that's what we're seeing. So just to just to button this up, do you think the president should change his mind when it comes to withdrawal? We we, we don't want to be anywhere forever, of right. course, but given um, recent events and what we know about you know the the vacuum that can be created in this region in particular are the players, do you think the president should reconsider? I think he should, at least uh, over the short term. And uh, that would send a message to all of the players in the Middle East uh, and Russia that, uh, you know, we are there, we are uh, there to stay. Uh, and the reason we're there to stay is because it protects not only our national interests, but our allies' national interests. That includes Israel. Uh, our withdrawal from this area, you know, would, from Syria especially, uh, you know, risks uh, causing a big tinderbox. And I think uh, that, uh, you know, we, in the best interests that we, you know, of our country and of our alliances, it's really important to think this one through very carefully and say, oops, I made a mistake, time to change my mind now. That doesn't course, sound like the president. <laughs> it, it certainly doesn't. And that's the problem with that. That's why I think it's a highly unlikely scenario. Mm. Colonel Cedric Layton, thanks so much for coming on Weekend Warriors to discuss this. You bet, Essie. It's always a pleasure. That does it for this edition of Weekend Warriors. I'm SC Cup. Join us next time. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.